Well, good morning. It is good to see each of you here today. I thank you for being here. And after last night in our fall festival, I'm a little bit tired, but we got a little bit of an hour to sleep, so had one more hour to sleep a little bit, so that's good. But I wanted to, um, this morning we'll be in Hebrews chapter 4, and it's one of the most difficult passages that we'll study. But I heard an illustration uh, this morning that just, I, I couldn't sleep. And I honestly believe for anybody that preaches or teaches the Word of God, to labor and toil over Scripture is a good thing. To make sure that we get it to the best of our ability right. Given by the Holy Spirit, led by Him, to preach so we can best say to our best ability, thus says the Lord. And I was toiling over this Scripture, and I got up early this morning, and I told Tim, yes, I'm going to church. I just got to put some things together. And as I was going up the road, I heard a illustration, so I can't take this as my own. But as a pastor, actually, of, of church in North Carolina, he said, you know, he said, one of my favorite shows to watch is American Idol. He said, of the first, especially the first two weeks, because what happens is you see those people who think they can sing can't. And he said, what's even amazing about this is these people really think they can sing and what's even more amazing is they have support telling them they can sing. And they're deceived. And that hit home for me because going into Hebrews chapter 4, what we are seeing as the writer is explaining to us is here this group of Hebrew believers are facing persecution and somebody's in the ear telling them, listen, listen, listen. Do not hold to that that you have been taught by Christ. It's wrong. And the thing that amazes me is oftentimes we are very, very, very quick to speak and not listen. And I want to encourage each of you this morning as we go through this passage to listen. You know, I've often said that most of the time when somebody is speaking to you, that you're not listening to what they are saying. You're working and formulating your response to them and not listening to what's being said. But I would encourage you as we go through this passage that it teaches us a great lesson on listening. If you would, please stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be reading Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. He's quoting Psalm 95. They, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. 
he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has been said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest in himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. You may be seated. Again, I have been in love with Hebrews quite a long time. It's one of my studies in school. I love these passages. Hebrews chapter 4 is a very difficult one because there are those who will differ of whether this rest that we are talking about is the rest that is found in Christ or the rest that is found in sanctification in Christ. Though that it hints of both, I must tell you through my conviction of what I have read through Scripture, I believe he is talking about the rest that is found in Jesus Christ for those who believe. Therefore, I want to share with you and break this verse down, verses down for you, but also give you four words that keep banging in my head that I can't get them out. You will see, he says, therefore, in chapter 4. Therefore is a term of conclusion. What he is doing is referring you back to chapter 3 when he says they did not enter the promised land because of their disobedience. He is reiterating the fact that they did not listen, they would not hear, and he tried to tell them because of their disobedience and their failure to heed the promises and the work of God, they did not enter into the promised land. Therefore, learn from their example. It's often said that history often repeats itself. You would think that we would learn through situations, but we don't. But he is telling us in his word, therefore, listen, we must fear it while a promise remains of entering into his rest. There are four words that will pop through my head that's been banging around all week that I can't get over. And they're this, fear, fail, rest, and faith. Fear, fail, rest, and faith. A predominant theme that you will find throughout this chapter. And what I want to give to you today is I pray that we learn through the Scripture that as born-again believers, Christ is who He said He is. Do we believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ? He says, therefore, verse 1, we must fear it. Now that would seem fear, that would seem kind of like, man, that's wild. Why would we say fear? We're not to fear things. But understand that there should be an approach to God because of His greatness and holiness, an approach of fear and trembling because He is who He says He is. Remember, I have told you that there's three words that we say flippantly. God is good. And that should give us trembling. Why? Because we are not. God is good. He is holy. He is righteous. And therefore, we should approach Him in fear. Let me give you an example. You see, what he is talking about is the failure of the Jews to take the promised land. You will find this in Scripture in the book of Numbers. Now, what would happen is they have been promised 
the promised land of Exodus, starts with Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithful, faithfulness for thousands and forgives wrongdoing, a violation of his law and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting the punishment of fathers and of children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. He starts there saying, look, I will do what I promised to do. I am merciful. I am loving. I am, I am not short-tempered but long-suffering. But obedience equals blessings. Disobedience equals cursings. He tells them that there's a land that they can take. And you will find this in the book of Numbers 10 through 14. And here's the deal. What happens is he sends out 12 spies. And this is a land that God had promised of milk and honey to the Jews. Their rest, which was beyond the Jordan. And he sends out 12 spies. Well, two says, we got it. Ten says, we don't. You see, the two that said we could take this land is Joshua and Caleb. It's very interesting to me. Because Joshua and Caleb are the few out of the majority. Now listen to me. Of the 12 spies, all of them said that the land is beautiful and plentiful and worth taking. The difference in the two, in the 12 or the 10, was that they had a different perspective of God. Now this speaks to us. Now listen. Their perspective of God, Joshua and Caleb's, was this. He who has led us out of Egypt will surely deliver us into the promised land. For he is powerful. He parted the waters. He has led us out. Not us. Moses was allowed to be the instrument. But it's by God's awesome hand that Moses passed through the waters. Okay? So listen to me. They had a different perspective of God. They believed. They believed that their fear was of the Lord. The other ten believed their fear was of the Canaanites. Here's the difference. They were afraid of the giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb feared the almighty, powerful God, and he is who he says he is. Now, this is what's interesting to me in this text. As he's talking about the fear, and he reemphasizes this fact, while a promise remains of entering my rest, any one of you may seem to come short of it. This is an illustration pointing to us today. God is faithful in his promises. And through God, his son Jesus Christ fulfilled the work on the cross where you might be restored. Take heed what you hear. Because he alone, he alone can you be restored to God. Just like the promised land that was promised to the Israelites just beyond the Jordan. Let this be an illustration to you. There is no rest apart from Jesus Christ. And what happens here is the ten spies and the rest of the people, listen to me, they turn on four people. The whole congregation, if you will, turned on Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb because they said they could take the land. Four. 
Do you hear that? Four. Now, here's the deal. You will also find in this book of Numbers that the congregation was going to stone those four if God had not intervened. They were so outraged and so disheartened that they wanted to kill the four people who trusted in the Almighty God that could lead them the way. And they turned on them. I want to give you something that I want you to hear. This is what fear of man does to you. This is why it's beating around my head. There are a lot of people, even in here today, that fear a lot of things. I get the text. I have the conversations. What's the economy going to do? What's going to happen in the politics? What about the war overseas? What about sickness and COVID? Let me tell you something. If you spend your time worrying over the giants in Canaan, you won't have a day in which to be grateful and believe that God is faithful in what he promises. Fear of people is a dangerous thing. You know, it's very interesting to me when I think about this. Jesus said very clearly, why, do you, why are you afraid of men? Luke 12, 5 says, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one after he has killed somebody has the power to throw that person into hell. Fear him. All men can do is kill you. Fear the one that can kill you and take your soul and place it in hell. You see, here's the thing. The promise of God's rest is found in the eternal work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There are so many people today that wander this world looking for a void that they can't fill. Every single human being has a God-sized hole in their life that they can't fill. You'll try to fill it with things. You will try to fill it with all sorts of things. But you never come up satisfied, do you? Only Christ can satisfy that fulfilling. He says we must fear not the people, not the giants, fear the Lord. While a promise remains of entering to his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Let me give you another part of this verse. It's a warning not only do we come short of not listening to the word of God, but we should take concern when others are coming short of hearing the word of God. Do you have a concern for the lost? What's your concern? You see, it's interesting to me. Let me tell you a little story. You see, the same people that wanted to stone Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb... The Bible tells me that Moses intervened for them. Did you know that? Moses prayed that God spare his wrath. The same people that were going to stone them, Moses prayed for them. You see, there should be a concern and an urgency for all of us to come to the understanding that the word of God is true. That salvation is the only way where men can be reconciled to the Father. And we should be concerned to make sure that we don't come short of it. But if we're born again believers in Jesus Christ, we ought to be concerned that others are going to come short of it. You see what I'm saying? 
Listen to me. I think one of the greatest things that is missing in the church today is that desire and quest for the lost. I wasn't going to go there, but I am. You've heard me say this many times. As preachers, as pastors, as churches, we got to get out of the mentality of filling pews with people and get into the mentality of filling people with Christ. Because I can assure you, I can take the most horrendous human being in the world, put a Bible under his arm and put a suit on him and sit him in the front pew and he'll still go to hell. We need to heed the word of God. It is by he and he alone that we put our faith and trust. Look what he says. That one of you may come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they did. Listen, what was the good news? Well, I read it for you in Exodus 34. The good news that was preached to the Jews was I am a God who is long-suffering who will lead you into the land of milk and honey, who will forgive you, who will take care of you. Listen! But yet in the midst, they neglected the very one who had brought them out of bondage. You see, the good news preached to us is the good news through Jesus Christ. But listen to me. Not everybody listens. But it does not change the fact that everybody needs to be preached the gospel. You see, I can't save a soul. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. I don't, I don't possess that power. I don't possess the power to save a soul. I do not have the capability to raise the dead. Only Christ can. But I am commanded by the Lord God and His Son Jesus Christ to preach the person in the work of Him who can reconcile men. And my job is to preach the gospel. Your job as born-again believers is to share the gospel. Because we don't know who's going to be saved and who's not. But what we do know is if we preach, we are faithful to command. Let God take care of the saving. Amen? For indeed we had the good news preached to us just as they did. But the word they heard did not benefit them because they were united with those, united with those who listened with faith. Faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. You know, I think about that quite often. How strong is your faith? What does it take to get you rattled? You know, I will be honest with you. I don't like a lot of the things that are going in the world. I want to assure you and, and, and encourage you that what we see going on is not strange. We just made more aware of it because of media. And no, I'm not getting into media stuff and politics. I don't do that. I don't believe it's a place. But I will tell you this. You can either listen to those that deceive... Or listen to the word of God that is faithful in his promises. You see, I want you to understand is this. I believe, just like a person told me yesterday, 
use this illustration. I'm going to borrow it from him because it was beautiful. That we should know our enemy. But we should know our Savior better because if you can look at the purity of Scripture, you can look and engross yourself in His Word. If you know the real thing, you won't have a problem finding the counterfeit. Read the Word of God. You say, well, all these things are going bad. What's going to happen? How does it play in eschatology, latter things? When Jesus is coming back? Let me tell you this. I don't know. But the Bible tells me he is. But one thing is for certain that if he tarries, every one of us are going to die. And the one thing is for certain is this. The only way that we can be saved is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if we place our faith and trust in him, today is the day of salvation. Because if he tarries, we're going to die. And either we're saved or we're not. Listen to the word of God. It's not when, but now. Today is the day of salvation. Listen to his words. He said, for indeed we had good news preached to us just as they did. The same message, God is long-suffering. He will forgive you of your sin, but you must believe. But also, the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Let me tell you something. There is no greater peace than have placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I can promise you with everything that's going on in the world, they may take away everything that I have physically. They may take my job. They may take my car. They may take this place. But one thing is for certain. They can't take away my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they can't take away the promise that he gave me that he would never leave me or forsake me. That's one thing that they cannot take away. I want you to understand that fear, if you continue to hold on to fear, you will fall. I can't get that out of my head. Fear leads to failure. You know, it's amazing to me the things that shake us to our core. Do you really believe God is who he says he is? Listen to me. It doesn't mean, and you've heard me say this, we're not going to have times when we're afraid. But that's not the spirit that God has given in us. The spirit that's in us is greater than that which is in the world. That is why he says in Revelation that there will be no cowards in heaven. Because, yes, we may have temporary lapses of being afraid, but the spirit of continual fear will not live in those who believe. It can't happen. Also says, for he somewhere concerning the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his work. He rested. Again, we'll find rest in several uses and illustrations here in this text. We'll find that he will mention Joshua. Remember Joshua was the one that went in with Caleb and led him into the promised land, but yet the people were still disobedient. How many times has God blessed us and we've seen his mighty hand and yet we're disobedient? 
that we should learn, but that rest was not quite there. He will talk about the rest with David. He'll talk about his seventh rest. Let me tell you something. Rest in Christ. He says, come all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Luke 12, 5. What does that mean? It means that so many people labor on this earth seeking for something that they can't fulfill that void. And he says, you place your yoke upon me, for I will fulfill and give you peace that only I can give. That's what it means. What does it mean? You know, I, can't, I cannot help but think that so many times we don't understand the person and the work of Jesus. He says this in John 6, 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not, not because you saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Now I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, work for salvation? Is that what you're saying? Isn't Ephesians clear? For it is not of works, lest any man should boast. We must go further. Listen to what he says. What are we to do that we may accomplish the works of God? Jesus he has sent. So they said to him, what then are you doing as a sign that we may see and believe you? What work are you performing? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will not be thirsty. That is the work, believing in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's your work. There's nothing that you can do on your own that's going to gain you favor with God. Isaiah's clear, for your righteousness is but filthy rags. My righteousness is but filthy rags. I don't measure up. But believing in the work of God, who as Justin preached last week, became the propitiation. He became the wrath of God. It was poured out upon him on the cross. The substitute. Somebody had to pay the price of sin. And Christ did willfully. And by his price paid, you and I can be reconciled unto the Father. There's nothing more beautiful than knowing the good news that is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the rest, my dear brothers and sisters. Are you at rest with Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Are you heavy? Are you burdened? Let me assure you this. I can promise you this world will get you down. You will face things that's unimaginable. Every one of us are going to face hardships and trials and tribulations. If we put our trust in the giants that can take our things, then that's all we have. Our best life will be what we have now. But understand this. 
If you're having your best life now, then you're not right with Jesus Christ and you're on your way to hell. The best life is to come. And see, here's the deal. Understand this. That what I am is where God has put me now as a pilgrim on this earth. I'm a pilgrim. But this world is not my home. Heaven is. You see, I have found rest because I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ when he convicted my heart. Everything I tried to fill with this world never brought me satisfaction. It's funny. I use this illustration so much. Listen to me. We are a never a satisfied people. I challenge any of you to go home and for 25 minutes read the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was the richest king that Israel ever had. David's son by Bathsheba. He had everything. But yet he was never satisfied. Vanity, vanity, vanity. All is vanity under the sun. You've got to understand the context. Under the sun, what does that mean? Everything on this earth, under the sun, apart from God, is vanity. We're just like him. We're never satisfied. He will say, for the eye is never satisfied with seeing nor the ear hearing. Why? Because we get tired of what we have. You all know this. Let's go with this for a minute. I'm not trying to strike a nerve. But that is something that's all in us. Me too. Fred got a new car. I got to have a car like Fred's. So I go buy a car. He spent $20,000. I spent $250,000. But even that $250,000 car, well, you'll never see that me. It's illustration purposes. Listen to me. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. How many times does that new car smell out, smell ran off, ran out? So what do you got to do now? You got to buy another one. Because I'm never satisfied. That house, you got four bedrooms, you need six. Never understood that, people. You got to clean it. Never have something. <laughs> but here's my point. Here's my point. That's me just as well as you. For the eye is never satisfied with seeing nor the ear hearing. Because we listen to the wrong things. We're deceived. Because we have set our treasures here on earth. You see, that's what they were doing. Because remember, in the wilderness, God fed them. He fed them. The multitudes of people, he gave them manna. You heard Jesus even quote it. It's the Heavenly Father that gave it to you, and yet you complained. You didn't like it. Because it's not good enough. It don't meet my standard. I don't want manna. That's the gremlin. I want the Corvette. Some of y'all didn't get that illustration at all. But my point, my point that I'm trying to make is we're never satisfied. We're not satisfied with anything. And let me tell you something. If you're like them that are looking for rest in physical things, you will not find it. But rest is found in those things or that one thing that is spiritual, and that's through Jesus Christ. Look at what the text says. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, 
today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Please. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but one thing I can guarantee you is you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You see, the Bible tells me that because of their failure, they died in the wilderness. It troubles my heart to know that anybody sitting here would die in the wilderness of lostness. Your fleshly desires, your addictions, your fears, you're not going to fix it. Only Christ. Because you often hear me say that when I leave this earth, that my prayer is that you'll remember me as a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. That my eyes are on the cross, my foot was on the rock, and my name's on the roll. And that each and every one of you, I pray that you get cross-eyed vision too. Because if your vision is off the cross and it's on the things that will never bring you satisfaction, and if you fail to hear the word, the gospel, as it is preached, there is no reconciliation apart from Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. He and he alone. Do not harden your hearts. I go home many times, and, this is, and I'm not just saying this, please listen to me. It has never been my desire nor will it be my desire to try my best to get 300 people to fill these seats. I'm the wrong man for that. But my desire is to pour my heart in what God has given me to pour into you that he can change you and you can share the gospel that changes other people. The church is not about a building it is about the people of God who have been saved by Christ alone. And whether it's a barn, whether it's a cathedral, the church are the people, not the building. And whether we meet in a home or whether we meet here, praise God. But I'm going to tell you this. This is not the thing that people like to hear. And I want you to understand that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and let me tell you very clearly, you go into his rest. Satan is opposed to the work. You will have trouble, okay? You hear me say this often. When someone's saved, people say, all my troubles disappear. They don't. But he sustains you through them. And he is faithful in his promises. And I can't bear the thought to know that I may not see some of you in heaven. And I'm not trying to be cute. I'm trying to be serious. I may go out that door and die today. But so may you. And we don't get a second chance. You know, This is not popular. 
But when I stand before the Father, He's not going to tell me, Chad, how many people did you draw into Living Way Community Church? What kind of programs did you do? He is either going to see that I was faithful in proclaiming His Word or I was disobedient and not. Let's learn from Scripture that we must hear and act on faith. Fear equals a fall. But rest and faith go hand in hand. Let me explain this real quickly. When you have faith in something, when my wife, I use this illustration, if y'all have not heard it, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it to you. When my wife says she believes in me, She's not saying that she believes I exist. Okay? I am over 300 pounds of existence right here in front of you. When my wife says she believes in me, she's placing her faith and trust that as her husband, I will lead her to the best of my ability. When we believe in Jesus and place faith in him, it's not believing that he exists. Demons believe and they tremble. But faith is putting all aspect of your being in trust into the person and the work of Christ who alone can reconcile you to the Father. That is faith. Knowing that regardless of what may come or what may go, that Jesus has still got me even to the end. I want you to look at what Scripture says in the end here. Go to the last, I'm sorry, go to verse 11. I'll put my glasses in my pocket right here. Verse 11. Listen to what he says. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same, or through following the same example of disobedience. Listen, in closing, listen to this. Miss Bonnie, we talked about this earlier. Standing on obedience means standing firmly even if you're the only one that does so. I've lost a lot of friends. I'm sure I'll lose more. People are fickle. They can be your best friend one minute and something they don't like, they'll turn on you in a heartbeat. Am I right? Been there, done that, got, the t got many t-shirts. But listen to me. We are to be obedient and share the word of Christ, even when others are disobedient. Even when others turn on us. You still see the point I was making a little earlier? Out of the whole congregation of the Jews, only four stood up for what was right. Four. Which means as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to be the voice of truth even when everybody turns against you. That's hard to do. But let me tell you this. We see who's real by being obedient to Christ's word. I told a gentleman this week, I said, I'm not trying to be cute or say something that's going to hurt your feelings or make you mad at me. I do that enough at my own house. 
But what I will tell you this, if I will not compromise the word of God for my family, I definitely ain't going to compromise it for you. I can't. Not that I'm super spiritual by no means, because I'm a human being that has been saved by the grace of God, and if I got my eyes off Christ, I can do anything that anybody else can do. But knowing that I am to the best of my ability try to seek his face daily and stay firmly planted on the rock of my salvation, I know that I'm going to have people turn against me. But I would rather know that I stood on truth than stood on an error. Because understand through obedience that not everybody's going to follow you. This is the last point of this. If you will see, there's always a remnant in the Bible. The majority is always the opposite. Think about this. The majority is always the opposite. Jesus himself said, narrow is the path to righteousness. Few find it. I'll break it down in Greer Indian. How many is a few? Three. Listen to me. Not everybody that claims themselves a believer is a believer. That's why I take this view on this passage. Because he will tell us in the other first three or the first three chapters of Hebrews that they were disobedient to the word of God. Disobedience equals cursing. It equals his wrath. I can't hide from that. I won't hide from that. Disobedience equals cursings. And when Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb stood up, nobody stood with them. But God did. God did. So rest assured, and let me encourage you. Listen, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, there's going to be people that disagree with you. There will be people who will try to deceive you. There will be those who will try to tell you, don't listen to that. I said this morning, be careful what you read. Be careful who you listen to. Because I don't care who or what they are, or how great they are, whether your best friend, your family, or your brother's cousin's roommate's preacher. If what they say is contradictory to Scripture, then it's not of God. And that's non-negotiable. Okay? So listen to me. Let me ask you this. Have you found rest? Is your soul at rest? If it's not, today's the day of salvation. I'm going to invite the band up, but I want everybody to take a few moments and bow their head. And I want you to ask yourself this question. If I was standing before Christ right now and he said, why would I let you in my heaven? What would you tell him? 
You see, many people will tell me that they're saved, but most people can't tell me why. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to get something to happen. I'm just trying to tell you, look, I cannot walk down these steps without knowing that you've been presented the message that will save your soul. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But believe means to commit. It means to follow him with all aspect of your being. And you turn from your sin and you turn to him and hold to his garment because he's faithful in his promises. You may say, I know Jesus, but my question to you is, does he know you? You may be here today and you say, yeah, I'm a believer. But sometimes, Chad, I'm a little bit afraid. And I'm convicted in my heart and I'm sick because I know that's not the spirit that lives in me. I'll pray for you. I'm not flawless. I'm not perfect. I struggle. And I don't want anybody ever in this group to ever think that I am different than anybody else. I am not elevated, I am not more special, and I don't have more favor with anybody. We're all a family. But we all serve an unflawed Christ. And you may be struggling today, let us pray for you. Look, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know who's going to be in charge next month, next year. I don't know what country is going to take over. But I can tell you this. The Bible tells me that God said, I am the one that establishes kingdom kingdoms. He's still on the throne and he's still in control. But the worst thing we can do is be disobedient to the words of God that we have been shared. To be disobedient to the word that he has poured out in scripture to us. Because disobedience... Even though it may be partial, it's still disobedience. God requires complete obedience. You can't make it on your own. It's not works, remember? It's not your works, but your work is to place your faith and trust in the work of Christ and be obedient to His call. Brothers and sisters, I love you. And I pray that if there's one here today that God convicts your heart, that you may not know when you're going to leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. I pray that those that are struggling, that are born-again believers, that they have a renewed spirit. Let me trust you. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, trust in Christ. Help is on the way. Your Heavenly Father, I come to you thanking you for your grace and mercy. I thank you for all that you have done in us and for us and with us. God, I thank you so much for the price paid on Calvary. I thank you so much for saving my soul and saving the souls of others who have placed their faith and trust in you. And God, here at Living Way Community Church, we love you. We love other people. We want to see other people discipled, that they make other disciples. There's none of us even greater or smaller than anybody. It doesn't matter where color you are, where you've come from, how much money you have, 
or who your mom and daddy was. What matters is our faith and trust in Christ. We're family. And Lord, we want to see that family added to daily because we want to see you glorified and we want to see peace among hearts. God, we thank you for all that you do, all that you continue to do. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.